0: The Team
1: Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to check out member exclusive offers during Military Appreciation Month.
2: Team Never Quit Radio.
3: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Team Never Quit podcast. Thank you guys for listening, watching, most importantly, subscribing. Hey, if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're about to start dropping video content very soon. We've actually got kind of a secret project in the works right now here at TnQ headquarters, and I want you guys to be able to be a part of that. So, in order to do that, you need to be following us on YouTube. Last week, I sent out some Patreon gear. So that being said, it's time to jump into the Patreon question of the day. Patreon question of the day comes from Patricia. She asks, "Which Will Ferrell character do you identify with the most?" Oh, that's a good one. That's
3: a good question. I'm, I'm a big fan. That's I a love good one. it. I yeah, love me his too. work. So the other day, actually, Bewitched came on because it's Halloween season, so we were watching, and and uh, and this stray cat came walking up. So I had a little bit of Darren going on the other day. Darren, however, Daddy's Home to the air conditioning scene <laughs> yeah. is by far. You can't appreciate that till you have kids and, and you're married and you're in that life that that each one of those... I mean, from uh, the other guys. I mean, who doesn't want a, an accountant for law and order, right? And that, you know, he was a
1: pimp. And I
3: audited him and there were discrepancies. <laughs> and, and there were discrepancies. That's who I
1: felt like I would identify what, okay,
3: as. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with... Uh, I think I'm a solid cross between Land of the Lost, Dr. Rick Marshall, and... Um, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Piss excellence. <laughs> yeah. I ran across I bet, the I think I'm a, I'm I'm a lot better and cooler than excellence. I actually am.
1: No anchor man? I was going to throw the well, Burgundy man, thing out said, there. That's <laughs> him, dude. <laughs> that's that's the, yeah, all
3: him. him, dude. Ron, that, that, yeah, you can't. I don't think anybody can, kept, can kept, identify I mean, with Ron
1: Burgundy except for Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I think Ron Burgundy has his own podcast. <laughs> and I have leather bound books in my office. Oh my gosh. And it smells like leather. Does it? Yeah. Oh my God. Jeff, how about you? What you got? Uh, you guys are gonna relate to this because uh, I'm gonna say elf,
2: man. Uh, and and, yeah. he- and here's why. <laughs> in the deepest suck, we all got a little elf in us, right? Like, oh, it, okay. you, like you can't you cannot survive the suck if you just can't see that glimmer of silver lining. So that guy, that guy takes it over the top as elf. But we admit it, you two, we all got a little elf in us, otherwise that's, that's you can't pool. make it.
3: That's a good pull. I'll go with that. Yeah, because I mean it's it's like in his world, there is no bad right it's just it's not bad there's no bad things right and that to watch it from that perspective is absolutely because we know that there is but we got trained to have a good time in it
2: that's a, exactly you know what exactly. i mean so
3: it, it's like we could be buddies
1: he's just <laughs> like throwing down on that spaghetti ice cream <laughs> just syrup hey, yes, I, I, uh, that's oh, God, yeah that's actually pretty
3: good <laughs> i was gonna stay away from Step Brothers. oh yeah brennan <laughs> yeah boats and hose. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah call me Oh my
1: gosh. Hey, that's a great question. That's a great question. That's a great question. Patricia, good. thank you. <clears throat> if you want to ask a question to the guys, to the guests, make sure to join us at patreon.com/teamneverquit. Hey guys, we've got a great guest in store for you guys today. Jeff is a counterterrorism and counterinsurgency expert with over 25 years in US Army Special Operations. His combat experience includes operations around the globe that includes multiple tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's applying this expertise to counter trafficking in the United States and is the chief operating officer for Guardian Group. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
3: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Big man, welcome from welcome to the other from the other side of the nation, Oregon. That's double tough.
2: Double tough. Yeah. Hey, I just I switched uh I think you know Marcus. I I am the COO of All Things Possible now with Victor.
3: Yes. Boom. You know that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Saw that. So that's that's pretty new news. It just happened maybe a month or two months ago.
1: Congrats. But, uh,
2: re- really really digging it. I mean, you guys know Victor, man. Force of nature, the organization is fantastic. So yeah, I'm having I'm just having a ball.
3: Are You doing that full time or are you tool headed? Yep.
2: Nope. Full time. Jump jump jumped in head first.
3: Oh, good for you. It came and got you, huh?
2: Yeah. I mean, there there was just there's just there's so much potential and so many interesting things happening. I, ju- I just couldn't uh, I couldn't sit out. So anymore. for our
3: listeners out there, tell we give a little background and flying information on all things possible.
2: So all things possible. Uh, we work to we have a nice little tag that I really like. It's identify, interrupt, and restore those affected by trauma, and that means people that are in prison. These young men that uh, usually come from a, b- a bad background, all the way to women and girls that are, be tra- are being trafficked overseas. So I first got rolled in with Victor with some of the work that we did in Iraq and Syria because I still have these leftover relationships that we build, people that we trust. They, uh, they help us out and can equip us to recover some of these sex slaves that uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS rolled up, as well as uh, moving behind the front lines when they retook Mosul and would spit out all of these women and children they didn't know what to do with. So it's things like that, all the way down to just simple counseling and meeting with folks where they are. So it's a it's a huge gamut. Uh, as the COO, it's really exciting for all of those different things. Um, we just had a big a big event. Did you guys see the news about Ohio? The U.S. Marshals just rolled up a bunch of losers and recovered a bunch of missing kids.
3: Oh, nice! And, I can honestly and, uh, say we just don't turn the TV on.
2: Yeah, I'll. So, it, yeah, it, it, what you got? With the counter trafficking side of it, and really looking at these these men that are abusing children, um, we're really trying to expand that. So we had a we had a really nice um, nice win. You know, we don't want to over dramatize what we did. I mean, it was U.S. Marshals putting the heavy lifting, but the, but we figured out a way to collaborate, and they put some trust in us, and and we're really excited.
3: Well, that's the best part about that group and what it's made up of, because we're all, we're the guys who you know that recognition part needs to go to the. To those badge wearers, and then you got the guys like us that sit behind it, and it's like the work is the gratification. Yeah, and exactly. Watch, and watch it. I mean, they're all there has to be that headpiece, and, and they do they do so much. But now that the guys are rotating out and being able to work together, I mean, it just kind of closes up a loophole or or a hole in that 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 makes it so much more dynamic.
2: We have similar stories, you know. We with that I have with you guys. You know, uh, I was in high school, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I heard about the U.S. Army Rangers, which really were kind of a quiet entity back then in, in 87. And I, uh, I, I joined the military to become an, an Army Ranger. Um, and again, remind me to come back to that story because that, uh, that was not an easy an easy path. You know, my recruiter said, oh, this is how you do it. You just sign this dotted line. Okay, and sign you right here. <laughs> you volunteer for Rangers. You know, remember, to, remind me to come back to that one. You guys are going to love that story. Um, so I, I did five years with a first Ranger battalion, um, went to combat with them in Panama, uh, as well as desert storm. And and I tell you the interesting thing about Panama just cause, which we had our 30th anniversary last year. Um, it was the, it was the first time where I began to see it wasn't just hoopla. They weren't just building us up, you know, like, Oh, you guys are a terrific fighting force. Like it was, it was a complicated mess. And, um, we were able to win without getting, getting guys hurt. And I, I was a team leader. I had, I had four guys under me and it was easy leadership. You know what I mean? That's you guys know a team leader. That's awesome. Just follow me and you you lead and they follow. Uh, I was a squad leader in desert storm. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement there. Um, but again, another level of responsibility. And then I had actually had a break in service. I went to college. I ended up uh, running for Montana state university and going through ROTC there. Commissioning, coming back in, um, went to a Second Ranger Battalion as an officer, and then 10th Special Forces Group, and that is when the uh, Iraq War really kicked off. So I was on the ground in, at 10th Group for just weeks, and we started sending guys in and out of Iraq to kind of prep for for the war that was kicking off that later that spring. So did a bunch of rotations with them, and then uh, put in my packet to go to Delta. So that was in 05 and got over there in 05 and and stayed there until about two, well 2015. It was when I retired. Um, can't believe it's it's almost five years now. And you know, as an officer there, you do a bunch of different jobs, but primarily that was that was my my duty there with uh, with the unit. Went back to Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and just continued to move up in different levels of responsibility. But I think those basics that I learned in Panama stood true even as I got higher up.
3: I think we had this conversation last time we spoke when you were over at CAG. Cause I did a pump with those guys when I was a junior officer as an augmentee. Yeah. And that's where I met you. That's right. Damn it. Yeah, that's right. So, so <laughs> I, I, uh,
2: in, in OTC, I broke my leg. We were doing, uh, uh jiu jujitsu and I, I broke my leg and I ended up getting recycled to the next OTC class. So I think. I might've had a cast on my leg. I don't remember if I still had it, but, uh, yeah, I went down. I, you and I swapped out seats there in the, in this some, some sort of J3 position.
3: Remember? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, so somebody asked me the other day and I was telling, there was a, a one pilot and I was like, man, I was trying to remember the Sergeant major's name at the time. The big Texas guy that was O'Neill's Sergeant major. W- you remember, what was his name? You remember off the top of probably,
2: your head? Probably, probably Joe Burke.
3: Big, big guy, redhead. No, he was a no. He was a gigantic dark headed guy with I mean, just full blown larger than life Texas guy. Oh, oh no, from the
2: unit. I thought you were talking from one sixty. No, I'm sorry,
3: the unit. The unit. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Bobby. Uh Bobby, uh yeah, he's he's back in Texas. What was Bobby's last name? That's right. That's right. Bobby, I mean,
2: uh oh how, I'm so sorry, Bobby. I can't I'll, I'll think of his last I name. I totally
3: kicked it out of my head too, and I thought I I'd never forget it. And I kinda look like an ass friend of this guy. I was like, yeah, man, I started Mike Obidal's throwing Obadal's name out and some other guys yeah. that were sitting in that line with me, and I was like, damn it, I can't remember Sergeant Major's name. Anyway. Yeah, it,
2: so what you know, here's a story on that. Bobby's son became a young ranger. They went on target together in Baghdad. Yeah.
3: Huh. So uh, how, <laughs> how
2: how many how many times do you see that happen?
3: Yeah, father, son, notes
2: nope, Never cool. probably never. Yeah. Ever. He's he's ranching down there somewhere by you guys now. Is he?
3: Yeah, yeah. We're telling we're all retired, those all retired unit guys and team guys to move to Texas when you get out. We're going to start our own place out here.
2: Well, I I, I need to get down there before you guys secede from the union. Yeah, like,
3: yeah. All, all our guys and yeah, y'all get out here. start with a B, Bobby, Bobby something. Boomin, Bobby Boomin, Boomer. Yeah. Yes yeah how do you forget bobby Buma, that man he's i don't know bobby. man. i say <laughs> boomer that's what his son calls our mother grandma. oh my god are man. you kidding me <laughs> no oh, that's
2: right <laughs> oh that's some that's some weird freudian stuff right there that's, that's right. right bobby that,
3: boomer bobby Boomer, dude uh, he was a beast Dude, Bobby, weird.
2: if you listen to this, brother, shout out. I appreciate everything you've done because he was a he was an OTC instructor who I was going through as dude, well. I have so.
3: never even met this yeah. dude, at all I, I, like, if if there's was only a OTC couple guys in our communities like terrifying. you never hear anything bad about. Like you're all, like somebody always has something. Only a handful of them. Like we're not. I'm not even one of them guys. And and but, like that guy uh, Charlie Melton, you know? Because I was I was sitting in the job with my Texas patch on. Like, right, that's like not what you're supposed to do when you're in front of the leadership. Yeah. And he came up behind me. When I turned around and saw him, I was like, holy shit. I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, damn, buddy. Sergeant Major, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, awesome dudes. Awesome guys. That was a great deployment. And I guess when I got my, I don't know if we told this out loud, but I got a a very large fallacy-looking object handcuffed to my wrist. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was like that was
3: y'all's thing, and it got hand, <laughs> yeah. I got handcuffed, and it didn't have a key. Yeah, yeah. and you had to pick the lock in dick order to get day. it off
1: of you. Oh my god, dick of the day. Yeah, you were you yeah. were awarded the dick of the I, day. I was, well I was just,
3: I was sitting in my chair, and this came up and just lashed on to me. Right, and I was like, oh, I mean, this thing is about as big as this microphone, right? <laughs> and you walk around with it till you pick the lock, no key, you got to pick yeah. the lock oh on the goodness. cup, and I broke the pin, and I had to go over to Delta Breacher cell. I was like you guys cut this off help me out guys <laughs> They didn't hate help that, that, you, that you kept sticking it in your mouth I oh, know I mean what else was I supposed to do with it it would fit my we ass we do see you hiding the thing <laughs> fucking tuck it up in a cami and du- rigor tape that thing down cut my pocket out and stick it stick my hand out of my pocket I mean the thing was literally <laughs> the half size of my heart dude oh my gosh yeah dick of the day <laughs> that's awesome alright go ahead buddy Let me to cut you off
2: Oh, that, that was really it. So after, after um, you know, as I'm moving towards retirement and I, I, think a lot of our, our friends are you and you know, we're kind of just past that now, but uh, looking what to do next and kind of really what I felt the skills that uh, were, were taught me and what I love doing um, started to, to gravitate towards counter sex trafficking, you know, um, studying that crime, studying pimps and traffickers and uh, retired and started working that full time um, initially with Guarding Group here in Bend, Oregon, and then just recently made the switch over to All Things Possible. Um, I just I love targeting. Um, I want to create a place for folks like us, you know, from our communities that are looking for something to do afterwards. You know, um, that passion and purpose. You have that drive and that and that meaning. When you're in service, and I want to continue to provide that opportunity for people as 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 we get out. And hey, for
3: our for our listeners out here, I don't think people really understand the scale of this problem. Yeah, most people think it's in the big cities, and it's not. It's everywhere.
2: It's everywhere. And here here's a um, here's a statistic: a uh, hundred and fifty thousand new sex ads come out every day 150,000, and we we figure that somewhere between five and ten percent of those are minors so that's that's a new kid that's being sold online every every single day the the numbers are astronomical and it's really it's really kind of gross in the united states because it really is a business you know it's something you just you jump online and you make a purchase like you would buy a pair of sneakers or even a even a pizza you know um it's a lot more in the open, you know, where they have these different sectors, uh, the red light districts and all of these things that people know about in Asia. But right here in the U.S., we are unbelievable consumers of prostitution. And what comes with prostitution are the miners because they're easy to manipulate and control and the traffickers make a ton of money on them.
3: Give us some insight on how you guys are navigating those waters and how you're assisting or kind of I don't know if it's buy with or through or just facilitating information that that you're going to hand over to the marshals and how that relationship's working.
2: That's that's basically it. So it it morphs a little bit depending on who you're who you're working with. So your comment of buy with and through is is a perfect idea. You know that that we and we're used to doing that. We're used to trying to provide that third party, that host nation partner, even here in the United States. It's our it's our U.S. partner with the things that they need. And in a in a small town. They just don't know the crime. So it might be similar to what you and I are doing right now. We're just talking about the crime. We're talking about the statistics, helping them understand what those indicators look like, even talking to patrol cops about when they make a routine traffic stop. You know, when they see these different indicators, it should be a a clue. You know, the light bulb should go on like, hey, maybe I need to dig a little bit deeper because this doesn't quite add up. And then you've got these federal entities like US Marshals or FBI or, or whomever. Um, that need support more from the analytical point of view. So it depends what they need, where we think we have the greatest value, and what we can really scale is this analytical side of it. You know, when, you're, when you look at the U.S. Marshals, for example, they have lists. I mean, thousands of kids are missing, you know. And then when they, when they triage that list and figure out which ones they believe are involved with sex trafficking, you know to help them find some locational data or to help them try to figure out how to what threads to pull to find these kids or find the men and women that are exploiting them that takes a lot of time and work that we just we haven't provided them those types of resources So I think folks coming out of our communities, largely the Intel types, those analysts, um, they have the skills to do a bunch of this front-end work to help law enforcement achieve this probable cause, reasonable suspicion. So you know, I mean, like think of it when you're when we're out, you know, overseas in combat, you don't you don't just get to go do a mission, right? You have to have a reason. There has to be there has to be probable cause. There has to be a reason why you're going onto this target. Well, law enforcement deals with that every single day. They have to explain to their bosses. They have to explain where their resources are going. They have to explain why they're putting 5, 8, 10, 20 people on this particular target set. And that's largely what we, civilians, retired military, are able to do is just help them build that case that, hey, boss, in the long run, this is going to pay off. And hundreds of kids are going to be given a chance for freedom. You know, we we want to give them that little bit of information that then they roll into the regular law enforcement system. They get the warrants. They get the subpoenas. And once they get those, they're off and running. Because, dude, these these pimps and traffickers are so brazen, they don't even hide what they do. Like you get one of their phones, you get one of their computers, it's completely in the open. It's just helping law enforcement get to that start point.
3: You guys on the ground a bunch doing what you used to do in CAG, or is it more along of what you see? All of-
2: All by, by, through and with, you know, um,
3: you know, it's, they they just,
2: they don't need the help on the ground. You know what I mean? Like they really need that, that analytical work once, once they, once they know where the bad guy is, or they have permission to grab them, or they have an idea where that kid is they're they're off and running. So we, we do very little to no actual groundwork and in the U S it gets really, it gets really tricky too. You know what I mean? When you're working overseas. It's totally different. We're, you know, you can do groundwork overseas. You can you can run surveillance on people. You can use TTL. You can you know you can do all sorts of stuff overseas. But in the U.S., um, the structure that we have designed, and it should be, is law enforcement is able to do this. A citizen is is, is able to do that. And um, putting them together is what I think the future of law enforcement looks like. You know, all of this. You know, I don't. I think there are some people that really believe we should defund the police and disband the police. I think I don't think there are many. I think some more reasonable people think we should reallocate funds and figure out ways to do this better. Um, and I think that's what the future is. There's plenty of people from our community that have the ability and the skills to just augment what what law enforcement is lacking, um, and that can be training and that can be analytical work. But both of those are really satisfying to to help those those guys out with.
3: That's a great point. You, if you think about it, 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 for everything that law enforcement is responsible for, if they had that, that logistical, analytical piece sitting behind them like we had to provide us all the information we needed and then have them be the action arm of the research piece, that'd be, that's a great point.
2: Well, you know what else I didn't realize was, you know, we, we had training, right? Like about a quarter of our year was training. It wasn't combat. It wasn't other other types of stuff. It was it was dedicated to training, and we held that pretty sacred, right? That's how you became the team. That be, how you became the SEAL. That's how you became the SEAL team. That's how you became this a, a unit that was able to fight. Man, law enforcement doesn't have a training cycle.
3: Mm-mm.
2: I could, you know, they they don't take a few months out of the year and just become better at individual and collective tasks. We haven't afforded that to them, so they have to stick training in wherever they can, you know? So that's, again, when I talk about training, to be able to provide them different training on skills that, that we've honed, that they can apply. And like you've already commented on that analytical side of it. Um, I mean, no one's done it better than the JSOC community. Right. I mean, t- yeah. I mean they, people look at us all the time, the operators, the guy, the, 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 the door knockers, but man, those analysts that were just crushing it 24 hours a day for 10, 15 years straight, those are, those are some unsung heroes. Right man, they there. were
3: having a ball, man. They would go out and collect, collecting all that stuff. And I mean, yeah. Typing it up. Hell, we had to do most of the typing. You know what I mean? They had a blast. I mean, that, that is the sexy part of that job. And, and I always kind of look at it like, there's no way that we could have been as extreme as we are. Is if everybody in our generation wasn't the same way, you know what I mean? They had, that one thing feeds the other. So because they were so high speed on, on gathering all that Intel, that enabled us to go do what we did on target. And it just kind of fed itself. I, t- I teach at the law enforcement management Institute at the university of the street. And that's, that's one good point I've never brought up to them because we, we talk about challenges and most of the ones that most of the, the, the case studies and the talking points that I have is that you're just, you, you're on deployment every single day you walk out of your house and how challenge you never get, you never have any downtime. Like you never go to get low ready. You're always second you walk out and put the uniform on and I'm going to bring that up. That's a great point on what a better asset you all would be if you had a logistical arm behind you, providing you information that you need just like we got how much easier it made that for us. And I mean, we even debrief at the end of the day after everything yeah. we we debrief after every, every kind of every time we do a run. I mean, when they come out of the Academy, they go into the field. That's like being in the Academy every day. It's just field work. Yeah. Right, and I know they take notes and everything like that, but the there's training inside that action itself. When we separate that in the beginning, so you can see both sides of it, and then when we put it together, that's why we're so fluid. They don't have that well, ability, it, I guess. I didn't know that. I was unaware that 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 was the case. Think of
2: think of the lessons learned. You know that we all shared. I mean, think look at how we would transfer that stuff between. The seals and the rangers and Delta if, and special yes, forces, like we, yes. if, if one of your guy your guys got hit on target, man, we wanted to know what happened. You know, if you if you had some new ballistic capability or some new you know mechanical breaching, whatever, you know, and that's and that's one of the things. But as with COVID, um, and you know, the, the the Black Lives Matter movement has again, they're the focus on defunding the police. But even if you just if you discard that, just with COVID alone, police. Uh, communities, um, sheriffs, and law enforcement all across the country, they're they are losing money, man. I mean, cities are going bankrupt. And the number one thing that I've been seeing that's getting cut are these sex crimes units because, because it's allocating dollars that doesn't necessarily pay off. So in major cities all across the United States, these sex crimes, crimes units are being slashed and reallocated, redirected to different crime sets. So what else is being lost is the best practices. So these, these units that were just crushing pedophiles, how did they do it? And that's what I'm working at right now is trying to capture the best practices of how, how did this work in Boston? How did this work in Miami? How did this work in LA? How can we apply this to small town America? You know, and, and trying to build a group of guys, almost like a, a mobile uh, training team again, because this resident knowledge of that these law enforcement folks have figured out, it's, it's being lost. And again, just like us in the military, man, now that I've been here five years, I don't think there's a single cop that I've worked with, either federal or local, that's in the same position that he was five years ago. They move so often. They just don't capture the best practices, which make make you have to learn all of these lessons the hard way.
3: Yeah, which is a shame. And it's not like they, they deny that. They'll open and tell you, like, yeah, we don't do that. And, yeah. just, and when you ask them why, they're like, well, we just don't, we just don't. don't we just they do want, they, don't, wanna, they just don't do it. Hey, I get that, well, man. There's stuff we don't do. I understand that. I mean,
2: but it's the, it's the, it's what we expect of that. I mean, what, what you and I are talking about right now is, is, is really swimming against the stream. You know, like the defund the defunded police. Actually, we, we need twenty five to thirty percent more police on the forces, simply so they can have training cycles and they can build analytical arms. You know, like it's, it's just. What we're talking about flies in the face of what the current sentiment is.
3: I I just don't know if we're going to get there. Strange times in 2020, my friend. What
1: can people in the community do? I mean, is there things that people in the community can do to support the efforts you guys have or just enforce the uh, support the, I guess, law enforcement agencies that don't have funding or losing funding in these specific areas?
2: Yeah, so the the money is going to go where the people demand it. You know, so when you know a a a district attorney, that's an elected official. A sheriff is an, is an elected official. Your city councils are elected officials. So if if you demand that attention is being paid to trafficking, to the, to the abuse of children, your community will will respond. But that that demand signal has to be loud and clear. Um, yeah. And honestly, the, the the easy start point is just stop bashing cops, man. Like people, you know, there are too many reasonable people that are, are on this bandwagon of bashing cops. It's not it's not fair. It's not common sense. Stop bashing cops. Reinvest in their training. Reinvest in what it is we expect them to do. And if you want. Your community to start to tackle sex trafficking and the abuse that's happening wholesale with minors, then say it you know i don't have, have you seen anyone march lately about the united states has has that ever happened you know it, it it people will listen when your community demands
1: it do you have any statistics about how i know this is a kind of a loaded question but how sex trafficking specifically with minors is affecting the general population because i think a lot of times like the regular people are like i'm not going to spend time thinking about that i'm really worried about my car getting broken into my house getting broken into getting assaulted and so they don't think about how that is actually affecting them are there some statistics that shine some light on that
2: here's a statistic and again when we I, the, the problem is just talking about this tiny sliver of sex trafficking sure the the ability to exploit a young woman is based on a lot of different things. And a lot of times that's based on some some other pattern of abuse, you know? And when when I first heard many years ago that one in four women is sexually assaulted, I, that, that, that statistic angered me, because I thought, how can that be? One in four people don't have brown eyes. You know what I mean, like that? You can't exaggerate statistics because it waters down the, the true reality of it. But I'll tell you what, that's a true statistic. One in four women is sexually assaulted or sexually abused. That's insane. And we talk about sex trafficking. Well, you, you, we, we're already starting uh, downstream. That woman became vulnerable. That woman became uh, a target because she already had a brokenness with, within her because she was abused by a young man. So I, I think in, in addition to just looking at the commercial sex trafficking in the United States and that and that level of abuse, we really have to relook on how we treat women and, and how we respect women and how we talk about women and how we sing about women. You know, and again, I'm not I'm not some angel. Right. I, we come from a community where it was we were rude and crude and all of that. But again, I also like to think we were honorable men and we are honorable men and, and we stick up for women and girls. And we just don't see
3: enough of that today. I think to your point, Andrew, and what, if you, like Jeff said, there's a catalyst for everything, but if you're going to look downstream, it's not, what will a, a pool of, of abused women, where does that land? Where does that end up? And that's, if the if the If there's an increase a statistical increase in these sorts of crimes, downstream you have an influx of depression, suicide, you know um,
1: maybe even addiction to drugs I, I, yeah like drugs that.
3: and alcohol, and then maybe even those particular um victims start to victimize others. And so it, the spider web grows; it's like a cancer.
2: So it's a it's a really good analogy. Where okay, when we we're overseas, right? We weren't combating radical Islamic ideology; we were capturing and killing the the, the dudes that were employing it, right? That's all, that's all we were doing. So the the reason these wars continue, and the reason we haven't had the success, and the wholesale. Counter-narrative to talk to the Islamic community that, that counters this radicalism that they're so attracted to. And again, you're talking upstream. You know, how how does a young man become a radical Islamist fighter? Well, because he's disenfranchised. Or oftentimes there's trauma and abuse and all these, all these different things that that occur upstream. You and I in the military, we were just, we, we were the pointy end of the spear. You know, if we got your name, you were you were leaving the planet you know, but that doesn't, that doesn't solve the problem. And that's the same thing when it comes to what we do with ATP, there is the part of it where we're helping law enforcement take these guys off the planet, not, not killing them, but putting them behind bars that that has to be done. These pimps and traffickers have to be put away for longer than they are right now. Statistically less than 1% of them are ever prosecuted. So, um, I mean, think of that
3: less than 1%, less
2: than 1%. So if, that's when we talk about you know how bad this crime is, there's so much room for improvement. If you can go to one to two to four to eight percent of these guys behind bars, they're gonna start to make some different business choices. just like we saw, right? When we were in Iraq and you started capturing and killing guys by the hundreds and thousands, guess what? That young man started to make a different choice, right? So there's one end of it, which is the downstream end, which we've we, we've got to bring justice to these predators. And then there's the upstream side of it, uh, reaching these young men and these young women in these formative years. And that's why I'm so excited about ATP. ATP works both sides of that from, you know, interrupting this cycle by taking these bad dudes off the street and helping law enforcement put them behind bars, all the way to identifying it and, and, and interrupting it from this cycle of abuse and violence. So you you nailed it, Marcus. And I, and I think that's what people people don't want to hear, you know treat your wife better, treat your girlfriend better, treat your daughter better, have more respect, you know, stand up when, when the, when the locker talk is, is, is some kind of BS about girls, you know, turn off that stupid music. That's completely degrading to women, you know, stop looking at pornography, which warps your mind and, and makes you think of things in a different manner. That's, those are the solutions that every single American can do. They always want to go to, Hey, can I, uh, you know, break down a door and shoot a pimp in the face. Yeah. Okay, bro. Like what, what is, what is that going to get done when you're going back home and continuing to, you know, propagate this
3: in your own little way? Yeah. Start with the ones around you. Start with yourself, right? Be a, yeah, be a good person. You guys had a, you, get, you were, you mentioned earlier, you guys had a big win recently. Yep. It was, it, it's been going on for a couple of weeks. They just released it yesterday.
2: So I think that I think they were calling it Underground Autumn Hope or, or uh, Operation Autumn Hope or something like that, dude. It's all it's all over the news. Um, and again, I'm not trying to oversell what ATP participated in it. But what I'm excited about is that there are certain people in the community that see this collaboration we're talking about as as a way forward. You know, so building trust with law enforcement you know, having these quick wins, these small wins, and then, and then taking something where we can scale it out is, is really exciting. So we'll, we'll see where it leads to.
3: That's good. Hey, quick, uh, do you guys, so on your recruiting team, by chance, do you have individuals on the team or, or an asset or a source, if you will, that has, was on the receiving end that can help you guys navigate what, maybe what you're not seeing? Like we did overseas, we had sources and we had assets that helped us see what we didn't see. I was just curious how that infrastructure yeah. is being built out
2: so again, that's something that we have overseas more than we do in the u s the u s is it's almost all te- all technical stuff on on open source um, intelligence with it because the again the crime is so open on the internet I mean it, brother. Uh, you, you go to some of these Facebook pages or Instagram or, or, or even, you know, and any of the social media sites, the, the guys call himself a pimp. He's advertising the five, six girls that he's one. Like it's, it's not hard to see it just, you just need the time to, to go look at it and find it. So yeah, the, the actual groundwork um, we don't do any of that right now in the U S that that's all overseas.
3: Okay. Yeah. That's where the fun is. Yeah. But we're getting old,
2: man. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, my God, man. We turned 45 here pretty quick. I've had two hips. I've had two hip procedures in the past month and a half. I sound like an old busted car driving down the road when I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning. The other day I rolled over looked at Melanie, I was <laughs> like, you know, when I was young, I had to make all these noises when I get up in the you know, it's like I, uh, that, old, that old sergeant major and master chief when he, when we start going on those <laughs> runs, you know, they they'd be hooting and hollering crazy. Once they got up on step, it's like a hot rod, right? Once you get it fired yeah. up and get the, all of us, so we're not getting old and Everything's just tightening up. You know what I mean? It's, well, <laughs> it's in what, place.
2: What, what, what's funny is I I went I I, ended, I I had COVID a couple months ago. You know <laughs> what I mean? So Congratulations! Anyway. I had it. Did, it was did, awesome. Did you, and it, and again. <laughs> It's like, I don't know what your symptoms were, but I didn't even know I had it. I just felt my age. I you know what I, mean? yeah. I felt run down and broken. And it was like, I, I i mean, so those of you that have COVID, that's how you feel when you're 50. So, you know, you, <laughs> you recover from COVID and then that becomes your life when you're 50. So That's a good point. It. That's about how I felt. Well, we got tired. put on
3: lockdown last March out here. They were talking about the symptoms of COVID. I was like, literally, that's the same symptoms I get from the allergies out here. And I have those Nine months out of the year, yeah. You know I what I mean? Know.
2: It's it's nuts.
3: I, I don't care what what rolls in the door. I mean, if it's a bacteria or a freaking human being, man, everything senses fear, right? If you're afraid, yeah. if you think that thing's gonna jump on you because it wants well, to fight and it senses your fear, it'll just keep attacking you. But if you're ready for it and you're, I mean, you carry that around. Think about it. Like that's how we we. I mean, look at all the stuff that we've got, all the anthrax and everything in between, where they put us and everything, man. But, but our attitude was like, man, when I came here, I didn't come here to get beat. I came here to beat down. I came here to destroy kind of deal. And that mentality, it, it, man, it carries you a long way.
2: Dude, I, you know, it's one of those phenomenon
3: that I, that I don't
2: understand. I agree with you completely. And this goes back to how we started the discussion with Elf, right? Like anxiety and stress and fear. It's such a, it's such a canter. It seems like things just latch onto it. You know what I mean? Like, just like in combat, you know, when you, when you have that little elf, like, like I'm enjoying this, this is going to be okay. Yeah. You know, like, like when, when things get piled on top of you, I, I think it's a, it's an incredible phenomenon that I don't think people fully understand is how fear, anxiety, and stress just makes it all worse. Well, how about the uh, how about you over there, Doctor? You got some you you got you got some knowledge on this one.
3: You know he's brewing something up over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. Ah, <laughs> freaking head of his the other the other side of this mind. I absolutely, you, I, you know I, I mean. absolutely one hundred and ten percent believe there's a mental aspect to getting through anything. And then once once you stop believing in yourself, that primary and secondary brain in your body starts to shut down and not give the body what it needs to fight. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, we actually just recently lost a friend of ours, not from COVID actual, but pre-existing condition. And that was an eye-opening experience because up until then, we've had quite a few friends that have had COVID. And like you and I, because you haven't had it yet, have you? Uh, like you and I, we did, a good we didn't good analogy, feel my age. I was just, I was really tired. And I was, we were out on a run one day with some buddies, I man. I just couldn't, I mean, I, they just left me. And I was like, man, what the hell's going on? And then my forearm started hurting. I was like, that never happened. So I tested I got positive. Um, when this gentleman, he was a Vietnam vet, God rest his soul. Um, Roark, Roe was his name, but it was Scott Scott's daddy. Never, he, uh, he got blown up in Vietnam by a grenade and then um was a rancher for the rest of his life hadn't been to the hospital since he got out of the hospital after that injury and then COVID hit COVID actually hit the whole family sent every one of them to the hospital and man he could not it got down in his lungs and you got to think man is it your time is it your time and how no matter how hard you fight I mean go out swinging right You want to pick how you go out? I don't think it works like that. My, he swim, had a, buddy, my so, swim buddy from Buzz died he had a, two he days had, ago. He had a do, do not resuscitate. Um, yeah, man, don't bring me clause. back. I want to come back in that new frame. <laughs> and uh, he actually said, he's like, nah, he's like, I don't. This, I want To do not resuscitate means if I got, you know, got bucked off a bull or something, I don't want this COVID stuff. I mean, it just ate his lungs up from the inside out. Yeah.
2: And, uh, and again, you, you, uh, you were alluding to it. There, there's that spiritual side of it too, you know, and it gets, it's what we don't understand, you know? And I, and I, and I think there's this, I think there's this relationship we have with our, with our creator also, where he's like, okay, if you want to stay, you can stay. You know what I mean? If you're ready to come home, you know, I think sometimes he gives us that little bit of a choice and I, I'm not, you know, you got, you got, I'm not saying your buddy chose to, to go, but there's just all these things we don't understand, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we waste too much time, sweating the small stuff, you know?
3: Yeah, don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. <laughs> that was one of the best <laughs> love- freaking pieces of advice I ever got. And I'm like, man, wh- how long have you been sitting on that one? That was great. <laughs> yes, there's absolutely that. And with anything so, that 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 fear in the beginning is the fuel for your willpower. I mean, that kind of if you if you're looking yeah. at something and give you the heebie-jeebies, and then I will talk to people and they're like, "Well, I've been training in this forever. I mean, we've been going at this a while, and I still get the fear." And I'm like, "Man, that's not what that is. That's anxiousness. You know, those two things run on the same glass. Like, man, you just kind of that's why when the first punch is thrown or the first you know the line comes out, whatever it is, man, you're you're in it. And then once you're locked in. It's, it's a uh, man. It's freeing. It's like, wow. It's like getting up yeah. on a step and just pushing. It's, it's something. It's supposed to be so, there.
2: Speaking of sweaty men, let me circle back to my story. Oh yeah. About yes, yeah. how to, about about how to become, yep. how to become a young ranger. Okay. So like I said, I, I, uh, I signed the dotted line. My recruiter tells me just volunteer for airborne school volunteer. Again, you guys know how difficult that is, but so far so good. I get to airborne school. First day there, you go into this classroom, a ranger shows up, and that was back when they wore the OG one oh sevens, right? The rest of us were in the BDUs. So like that was a sharp, sharp uniform. Spit shine jungles and and the and the pressed OG one oh sevens in that black beret. Come on, man. He dude, what's up? That.
3: What's up, man? Exactly that was, what's that? Dude, what's up, man? That was sharp. <laughs> so uh you see them jungles walk in like, yeah.
2: Exactly, you know? So think that's what I want to be. And, you know, so the, the guy comes in, he gives you a quick brief. You, you write, you fill out this piece of paper, put your name on. Again, this is
3: 1987, 88, something like that. Yeah, man, their uniforms um, look like they would jack you up. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they come exactly. in with so much <laughs> yeah. style and the way they start. I was like, man, I think that uniform fucked me up, dude. Look at that thing, man. It's yeah. awesome. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm jumping to something else. But, you know, the the when the, when the, when the Rangers switched from the OG 107s to the BDUs, we called the BDU the battalion departure uniform because <laughs> when you were getting kicked out of a battalion, they took your OG-107s away and you had to wear BDUs like the rest of the Army. So that was a, that was a mark of shame. Yeah. It was the battalion departure uniform. So when we switched from the OG-107s to the BDUs, oh, my God, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth.
3: That, so, and, that, and then you so, went to the um, – I remember when the beret thing went down. Yeah, huh? the tambrays. I remember when that was going down. I was at Bragg when that was going down. I remember, man, that sucks, dude. Why don't you take that away from y'all?
2: I don't know, but, right, but here yeah, we go. so, so I signed this dotted line, go through airborne school, uh, graduate from airborne school. This, uh, ranger shows up and he, he says, all of you who signed up to be a ranger fall in over here. So we get information and he, he reads through the list of names. He doesn't read my name. I'm like, Oh crap. I'm like a, I'm like a mosquito wing private. You know what I mean? I I, I think, I think I was an E1 or E2. If I had anything on my uniform at all, I run up to him. I'm like, Sir, so uh. I'm supposed to be going to rip with you all. Uh you didn't call my name. He asked me my name. He looks at the list. He says, "You're not on here. Get out of my face." Mm-hmm. So I turn around. I run over to uh my uh my airborne squad leader and ask him some questions. Anyways, the people that I talk to end up telling me to go to the patches building at down down by the uh down by the jump towers. You, you guys have oh, you guys yeah. been to back? yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we all yeah, we all to go school jump school out there. I know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. yeah. yeah. You you know that building? Yeah, with the yeah, also? yeah, 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 So they go. They say go go down to the patches building and ask for so and so. I'm going to call him uh, Mr. Sweetbottom. Uh, they say go out, uh, ask, find Mr. Sweetbottom. He's the one that does all these orders. So I I drive down there with my. Uh, you remembering this from when we talked <laughs> Yes. <back there? laughs> I know. Go so ahead, though. My, I love my 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 wife of 31 <laughs> years now. She was my girlfriend back then. So we we drive down to this patches building, which you guys know where it is. And I and I walk in and there's one dude way in the back. And I said, Hey, I'm looking for Mr. Sweetbottom. And he's like, I'm Mr. Sweetbottom. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this? You know, that 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 southern brawl accent that is just a little bit too
0: uh, grating. So I'm
2: like, oh great. It's like I'm I'm supposed to be going to rip. And it it seems like my, you know, that like the orders haven't followed up. And he says, Ooh, so you think you got what it takes to be a Ranger? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, that's the whole point of Rip, isn't it? So he's like, come, come with me. So I walk back to his desk and it's that old army furniture. You know what I mean? Those metal, those metal desks, those metal. Yeah. Uh, the green seat. on yeah. wheels, that, that metal fan <laughs> I mean, from World War II, you know. They scream it's every time you is, open them. Yeah. Exactly. Makes that noise
3: when it turns. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, he like has, and he He is the
2: only guy in there and it's hot as crap. It's the, it's the Georgia summer, you know? So he says, Hmm, you look pretty strong. You think you got what it takes to be a ranger. And I'm like, I don't know, man. He's like, I'll tell you what, if you can beat me in an arm wrestle, I'll cut you orders to go be a ranger. Like, are you serious? So he clears his desk away. Okay. And we're 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 now lined up and we arm wrestle. Bam. And he is this soft, fleshy, you know what I mean? Like just pale, <laughs> guy, Mr. Burns looking, you know. Yeah, Mr. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> Mr. Burns <laughs> looking, except Burnley, a little yes. except a little chunkier. That's <laughs> pretty good. So all right, I beat him. He's like, oh, two out of three, beat him again. He's like, Oh, you are pretty strong. You might have what it takes to be a ranger. He says do you wrestle? And I was like, I wrestled in, in high school. What, what do you mean? He's like, I'll tell you what, if you can pin me, I'll cut you orders to go be a ranger. And I'm looking around like somebody save me. What is going on? So I'm like, all right, so now we're moving furniture we're in this, in this office. And he says to me, you want the top or the bottom, like straight up wrestling, you know, on, on all fours, you know, yeah. how you get the, the, the start position. I'm like uh, top I guess. So we get down and we wrestle and I pin him and he's like, "Oh, that's pretty good." 2 out of 3. So we start again. This time I'm I'm rolling him over to pin him and finally my Gator goes off, okay? Like he he's rubbing on my leg. <laughs> no. He's he's trying to free himself from the half nelson and throwing him over and he uh, uh, he's making noises like that and I'm finally I'm like, "Oh my goodness." I think I think I'm being sexually assaulted. What the, what the heck is happening? So I stand up. I'm sexually assaulting and I, myself I, with another man. With another man, exactly. I'm like, what is your problem? And he stands up and he sits down in a chair. And he says, I bet you wouldn't hit me. And I was like, the hell I won't. And I reach over the desk and I punch him straight in the mouth. And he flips back in his chair. And I remember it because I, I split his lip and I was bleeding. And he's laying there on the floor looking up at me and I'm over him like this. And he's like, Ooh, you might just be a ranger. Go along now. Your orders will follow. And I'm like, they better. And I leave. Okay. So I walk out of this place. I'm drenched in sweat. Cause this, this went on for like 20, 20 minutes, man. You know, my wife is in the car waiting for me. She says, what happened? What just went on? And I said, I don't even want to talk.
3: You'll about it. never, I'll You'll never, never speak this I'll never ever talk again.
2: So the story's not over there, okay? So now I'm telling this story. This happened in in, in 1988. Now I'm in the captain's career course in, in like 99 or something like that. I don't, I don't remember what it was. I'm, I'm now an officer, and I'm telling this story to a bunch of buddies. And everybody's calling BS. They're like, this didn't happen. I'm like, look, you, don't, you can believe my story or not, you know? So I'm standing there building Ford. You know what that is at Fort Benning? Building four was that big building where they did all the doctrine and the, and the schools. I don't know if you've ever been in it for any reason, but think, so it's either. where the officers courses are. It's all the classrooms. Okay.
3: I definitely try to stay away from that building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I'm standing there telling the story to about five, six guys. And he walks by Mr. Sweetbottom and my jaw drops. I'm like, that's him. <laughs> that's Mr. Sweetbottom. And they're like, oh, that guy? Oh yeah, he's gay as a three-dollar bill. He molests dudes all the time. I'm like, what? So I'm I'm having this, I'm having this conflict of emotion on one, like, how do we let this happen? Two, oh, I'm not alone. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and he is now in charge of officer records for um for Fort Benning, people leaving Fort Benning. And this guy would come to combatives, jujitsu practice. It was when we were just starting to get those online. And this guy would show up with his little light, uh, you know, the, the gray sweatpants, right, from like the 70s, the gray sweatpants, a white t-shirt, and no underpants on. And he would do jujitsu with us. We're in <laughs> fatigues, you know what I mean? And I'm just watching him rub himself on all these guys. And I'm standing there, like with the cadre going, does, does anyone else see this? Does anyone, does anyone else not bothered by this old man robbing himself on all of us. So fast forward now, uh, my orders are getting screwed up. I'm supposed to go. Uh, I'm supposed to go to Fort Lewis to have one of our sons. I'm in a hurry, and my orders are screwed up. And and Mister Sweetbottom is in charge of those orders. And I keep meeting with him, and I keep. And I'm not saying anything. I don't know if he recognizes me. You know what I mean? I'm just. I'm just. I'm a. I'm a lieutenant now, or captain, whatever the heck I was. And it just keeps getting screwed up. So I go in his office one day and I just, I have to leave. And I said, I closed the door. I said, Mr. Sweetbottom, do you you remember me? And he's like, Ooh, I remember you Ranger. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I said, we've been farting around with my orders for months now. I'm going to come back at lunch and you better have my orders on the desk or I'm going to come back in here and I'm going to kick your ass again. Do, Do you have any questions about that whatsoever? And he was like, it's okay, Ranger, you come back, your orders will be on the desk, you know, (laughs) so I left, I'm explaining to my wife, she's like, you can't do this, you know, I mean, you're a, you're a captain now, you can't go in and, and, and uh, um, threaten a a civilian, you know what I mean, I was like, I know, but it's it's our last chance, Um, so anyway, maybe this guy got
3: history, okay,
2: (laughs) 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 so anyway, that's how I became a Ranger, so those of you young men out there, that are interested becoming a ranger. How bad do you want How it? How bad so do you want it? If, and you apparently, ranger? this dude turns
3: out badass rangers. So if you get the green light from him, you're in good shape. Maybe yeah, it's a good litmus yeah. test, I man. Mean, come on, if he if you got to wrestle, with, he tells you you're going to make it. You go all the way to CAG. Oh, sweat the small stuff, damn it. And, and I, I can guarantee
2: guarantee you, there's people that are listening that know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh His man, name of course, Mr.
3: Sweetbottom. I'm going to get that guy there's, on here there's, next. There's plenty out there that have
2: rubbed up on this gentleman in more ways than one
3: how many rangers have you produced, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Must not yeah. left quite
0: the impression. I hope he didn't
3: come out with a memoir. <laughs> I mean, the funniest stories come out of our communities. It's, it's literally created an environment to produce those kind of great stories. I mean, just all across the board, from every branch. I mean, every day. I wonder how many commanding generals, I guess, yeah, since he's been there since 88, how many commanding generals know Mr. Sweetbottom, like... <laughs> Oh yeah, I know sweet bottom. <laughs> don't talk about sweet bottom. Don't. T- <laughs> we don't talk about. It. We don't ever talk about sweet bottom. Just let it oh let God. it go. That's kind of like our community, our community with the phantom. Everybody that when you say that word, everyone knows who that is. Yeah, we have the scary. phantom. We think it, it's we're pretty certain it's a dude as well. The phantom. The phantom. Phantom. She or he, whatever, calls. Every team, every platoon, has the number for every team, every platoon space, knows everybody's BUDS class number, knows all the commanding knows everything. Everything. And will call you at four, 2 o'clock in the morning on the quarter deck and talk dirty to you. I you mean, hang the up. best phone sex voice you've ever heard in your entire life. And let me tell you something, this happened, so I was on the quarter deck as a brand new seaman, I guess I should probably say it like that. Yeah, yeah. As a brand new student, <laughs> and um, they, she called I was at the Dell Hotel Hotel Del Coronado 20 years later and somehow, some way she found out I was in town and called the room. 20 years later. I mean, when I heard that voice at two o'clock in the morning, I sat up in bed. My wife, she's like, Who is that? I was like, You ain't gonna believe it if I tell you. <laughs> no idea. How- <laughs> no idea how that she found that out, but she's resourceful. I mean, Dude, bro, it's there they was, all, every there community was, has them.
2: There was one of those, I can't remember the name. Um, and she, we believe it was a a Key West scuba school. It was the same thing where it was the same. They knew everyone that was going through scuba school. And that person had been around for like 20 years. It's amazing. And, And it's the exact same story. I can't remember what we called her, but it was one of those things. And, and, and a dude. There would always be one victim, one victim, yeah. one victim. As well as like, he I'm gonna always, go, always, I'm
3: gonna go meet her. He was always
2: drunk, you know. He was
3: always drunk, and he could, he couldn't verify yes. if it was a man. Same, same thing. thing. You can either confirm same or deny. Same thing. Denial. Same thing. Same exact. It's same, unbelievable. Dude.
1: What you guys <laughs> don't know is this is a whole organization that's to, be to a do best best. It It's, it's like so elite, great. Elite <laughs> sorority, or she, I
3: said and, you can't make it through the program without having to deal with that. It's, it's part ridiculous. of you. I mean, knows where you're from, knows your name, knows your... And I no mean, matter what you say, no matter how bad you cuss or they'll come back just like, oh, that, your voice is amazing. You know, I kind of just do it, <laughs> say it some more. <laughs> God. God. Jesus yeah, Christ. say you do some more, like, what is going on here? Oh my God. <laughs>
1: Small world. That's awesome. Jeff, since this is the Team Never Quit podcast, can you lay, can you leave the listeners with a piece of Never Quit advice?
2: Yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you guys. I'm, I'm on this kick. I've shared it three or four times because it, it absolutely blew, it, it blew me away. Okay. Um, and this, and this piece of advice is, is find strength, uh, in, in simply being alive, find strength in the fact that you are continuing to breathe. So I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm an armchair kind of, um, uh, bible study guy you know what i mean we lived in israel and it's just it it fascinates me the history of the bible and the stories in the bible and and i've been studying it and 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 i've been working on a on a on a book about all these different stories and um last year i think it was about last year i came across this idea um and i again i don't know if it's true or not but a, a bunch of different people have talked about it so have you guys heard the term yahweh for God. Have you heard, have you heard that? You know, and, and we, we hear about it. He calls himself Yahweh in the garden. Um, He calls himself Yahweh when, when he calls Moses to to rescue the Israelites from Egypt and, and Moses is like, well, who should I say sent you? And he, he says, tell them, you know, Yahweh sent you. So we've been reading this name Yahweh for years, right? Well, it's, it's un- pronounceable because there's no there's no vowels in it like it, roughly it's yhwh you know what I mean in in uh, in Hebrew so people don't really know exactly how how you pronounce it we've been calling it Yahweh well what what some people have said and, and I, I'm telling you when I tell you the story it, it, it tell me if it doesn't resonate for you so what what the term yahweh is is the sound of breathing so if you inhale and then exhale, that's Yahweh. So when God tells Moses, tell them Yahweh sent you, he's basically saying, tell them that the creator of all things, the breath of life has has sent you. And when I first heard that, it blew me. I, I I don't know about you guys. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Because when I first heard that, I thought, that makes so many things make sense to me. This idea of what, you, what comes off of your tongue, what it is you speak is, 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 is what you become. You know what I mean? Where let my name always be on your lips. So the mere fact that we as humans are breathing, we're saying the name of God. We're saying the name of our creator every single time we breathe. When an animal breathes, he's saying the name of the creator, the, the plants and the trees exist to take what we exhale and clean it and give it back to us. You know, so this idea that what is God's name, God's name is the thing that gives breath to everything that lives. Is that uh, outrageous? So it blew my mind. And I shared this last year. Um, at a at a at a at a at a gathering where they were it was about uh PTSD and and um you know with all these soldiers that were that were losing and even like this I, I tell the story and again I don't know who it's going to resonate with. Um there are plenty of pastors and and theologians that may take umbrage with it and, and that's fine. What I can tell you is it inspires me. And I told the story at this at this group with this group of people and these parents came up to me afterwards and they said you know We've had a really hard time with closure with our son. They lost their son on the battlefield and they knew the story. They knew what happened. Um, They knew he didn't suffer long, but they, they just didn't have this sense of closure. And when I was able to share this idea that when we inhale and exhale, we are saying the name of God that was such a relief to them. It was such a relief to them to realize that the last thing their son ever said, his last dying breath was the name of our creator that brought them some closure to their son's death. And that that happened last year. So when I get the opportunity to tell this story, I, I like to share it. Because again, when you think about it, the first thing a baby says when they're born is, that breath of life in our God creator and all those mates that we've lost, no matter how it happened, the last thing they ever said was, was the name of their creator. So, um, my, my word to the never quit audience is, is find strength, find solace, find peace in that simple act of breathing. If you are breathing, you're alive. If you're breathing, you're saying God's name and he's there to help you get through the tough spots.
3: Amen. Damn, brother. Thanks for sharing that. That was Ooh, awesome. Yeah. I have I never heard that. I like some, something like, uh, you know. Now, I got, now, I'm, listen, now <laughs> I'm listening to myself. I'm listening to myself breathe into the Me microphone. Too. <laughs> Jeff, it's man, crazy, th- isn't it? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story with us, and thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to the episode. Jeff, thank you so much for being on. How, how can people follow you, support what you guys have got going on?
2: Oh, dude, all things possible ministries, victormarks.com. Check it out. You know, Victor is larger than life, a good, good friend of all of ours. I hope to get down there to Texas to see you guys. You know, a a lot of the work that we're doing, you know, we hire the best, we hire professionals. Um, So funding that work, uh, a lot of the money goes either directly to the orphans and widows that we're assisting, the the, the refugees, and then the active work that we're uh, doing combating trafficking all across the globe. So uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to close sounding like a shill, but I tell you, your, your, your support to ATP, um, has immediate results and effects and, and can't thank the people out there enough that are supporting us.
1: Awesome. T and Q, you guys know what to do. Support these guys. Make sure you're following us on social media. We, we, a lot of times share these guys content, team, never quit.com social. You can find all of our social links. Make sure if you haven't already subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you guys leave us a review on iTunes. That's tell us how we're doing helps us grow the show. Make sure to support our sponsors because they are who help us put these shows on every single week. We will see you guys next Wednesday. Later guys. Thanks bro. You the man. That was awesome. Thank you guys.